0: Odyssey fans, I'm Bob, uh, senior editor with Plugged In. Welcome to the official Adventures in Odyssey podcast. I, I, I don't know where Jesse is at the moment, but uh,
1: oh, hi, Mr. Thomas. Thanks for the tea. Yeah, uh, that just, uh, I I don't know. Do you realize uh, what time it is? Jesse, where have you been? Um, well. hanging out where I keep my stash of Turkish delight. <laughs> this is delightful. You want some? Uh, no thanks. Oh, well, You know, you're missing out. You know, I also picked up a copy of Voyage of the Don Treader, oh, yeah. which is a wonderful radio theater production by Focus on the Family. That's
0: right. Now many of our fans already know about radio theater, but for those who don't, it's an excellent audio series
1: created by the same people who developed Adventures Odyssey. You know, we've adapted all kinds of books for radio theater, such as uh, Anna Green Gables, the Narnia series. A Christmas Carol. Even Screwtape Letters. You
0: disgusting little...
1: <laughs> Plus original stories, such as the Father Gilbert mysteries, which I have right here. Radio
0: Theatre is going to be airing each week on the radio and online and it all begins this weekend,
1: October 9th. You know, fans have a lot to look forward to this weekend because we also wrap up part two of the Adventures in Odyssey season premiere, Mystery of the Clock Tower. (laughs) We've got a countdown and I don't know if it's to a banquet of flowers, a big laugh or a bomb. We'll tell you how you can get a sneak preview a little later. But now, let's hear from the creators
0: of Radio Theatre and to do that, let's turn it over to my friend Bob Walaszewski.
2: Thanks for joining us as we dig into radio theater, which sets sail again on October 9th with C.S. Lewis's Voyage of the Don Treader. It's a radio drama with film-quality sound design, I think you've already noticed that, award-winning actors and musical scores, but I'm really not the guy to talk to about it. Instead, we've got the two experts here with me. Uh, Dave Arnold, executive producer of radio theater. Um, your bio's Davis goes way back. Paul McCusker. I mean, 50 books later, so over 200 adventures and odysseys that you've helped write. Guys, one, tell me, how in the world did radio theater get started?
3: Well, I, uh, Dave and I had been working with Adventures and Odyssey for a few years, and uh, I think the feeling that we had was, um, what else can we do? What can we do uh, with sound? What we can do? What can we do with story? But Adventures and Odyssey is for primarily the Christian community, and we uh, were aware of that and write for that, and we thought maybe we could branch out a little bit more. What what would happen if we started to tell stories that would work in a general market but still maintain a Christian worldview? And I I think that's where our conversation started. Mm -hmm.
2: This is not cheesy radio in any way. I mean, this is incredibly professional and, in fact, award-winning professional. So... Go ahead and brag on yourself a little bit. Give me an idea of a <laughs> of award or two that uh,
3: that we've... Well, that my mom gave me an award for something. <laughs> I not remember what it
2: was. Now that counts!
3: <laughs> well, I think, I think our first experience and the feeling that we were getting it right and what we were trying to do was when we uh, produced the Bonhoeffer story and it was the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Peabody Award. Uh, we won the Peabody Award. And, which, uh, we, which
4: we didn't know what that meant, quite honestly. <laughs> well, it was really funny because I remember hearing
3: the news we thinking, r- I've heard something. of that, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah. Well, then you realize it, it is huge. It's prestigious. Yeah. And we thought, okay, we're getting this right. To be acknowledged in this way means we're, we're getting to uh, the stories to new people. We're getting a new audience. Uh, uh, we must be doing something right to start off with that and, and get it.
2: Guys, why are we kicking off uh, with Voids of, Dawn, Voids of the Don Trader?
4: Well, uh, I think most people probably in our audience are aware of the fact that um, coming up in, I think the... December 10th? December 10th. December 10th. The next Chronicle of Narnia film is being released. Number three. Number three, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And so uh, it felt like just the perfect sort of tie-in to lead up to the film. They can hear the more accurate accurate version, version. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is before uh, they watch the film then they'll know it <laughs> then they'll know the, uh, the, the things that they got wrong <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: guys I'm curious as to having been involved in now there's like 30 radio theaters that we've that you guys have taped over the years um, think of a the one of the most funny moments or or maybe the most interesting or maybe scary moment something that almost didn't come together anything that comes to your, your mind <laughs> I, was
4: I was thinking of when we recorded the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and other Chronicles of Narnia's story. And we got to the point in the story where it was <laughs> it was huge. We had, typically in, in, in the recording booth, we have six microphones that are sort of in a semicircle, and we have actors around, one actor around each one. Because it was the huge scene where Aslan is killed, and there are thousands of people. We The, the, the entire studio was filled with people. We probably had 25 or 30 yeah. people in the room at that time. And we got everything Mike just right. Paul directed the performance, and uh, it was magic. It was amazing. And all of a sudden, we looked over at the, the machine that was recording, and it had stopped.
3: And, and we didn't know where it stopped. We didn't had know stopped.
4: where it had stopped.
3: And uh, in a take like this, you because everyone's overlapping, yeah. you can't just cut into it. You sort of have to you get everything in one take. And the tape had stopped, and we had no idea this where it had stopped recording.
4: This is before we were recording on to just a digital platform, and uh, that was horrifying. Oh, the, 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 our, our faces were <laughs> completely pale, and uh, we were just about ready to scream. And actually. we didn't want
3: the actors to know. That was mm-hmm. the big thing: was to check it without them realizing. That yeah, so, so we're
4: something. talking to each other like this, and we're smiling <laughs> we're and smiling. saying, "I don't know smiling if we got anything."
2: All right. Well, speaking of productions, uh, we are going now to Nate in the Foley Room and uh, Nathan Jones is a sound designer for radio theater. Nate, do I have you?
5: I'm here. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you very well. (laughs) Um, How much time do you put into creating the audio effects for a radio theater?
5: Uh, for a radio theater, it could take as long as it takes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, that's like the perfect answer, but, but roughly. Uh, I mean, you can't knock this out in 20 minutes.
5: <laughs> no, uh, I, I think you have to budget it based on an episode length being a half hour of content. Could take, uh, three guys in this room a full week to act out and to capture.
2: A full week. Okay, give us a tour and a few examples of how it, of how it works behind the scenes.
5: Okay, well, Foley is just basically, um recreating everyday sounds into filmmaking, or in our case, uh, putting it to to radio drama. Um, It all starts with a script, and once the script has been uh, completed and we have the voices and the show ready together, we uh, get the script in front of us, and we'll pick out a character, and we'll assign a shoe or something for that character and put them on the surface that they need to be on, and we'll give them footsteps and we will bring that character to life. And sometimes we have to change shoes to get different sounds for different characters. And this is the shoe that I use when I have to be a nice, heavy guy.
2: That's a real cute shoe there. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Yeah, I like that.
5: And this one, I get a little heavier. So I get to sound like a a bigger person. Um, Footsteps are really just sort of uh, one element for bringing the human sound into the drama. Uh, As I said earlier, we have to recreate everyday events. So, or everyday sounds, excuse me. Everyday events, that's great. Uh, We have telephones. We use these a lot. We have keys for the Dungeon Master. We have bottles with special stuff in it. Mmm. And uh, you can hear that, Eric. I heard it. Right there, anyway. Um... We have, like in, in the case of uh, the John Newton story in the, uh, the Amazing Grace trilogy, um, I got a nice big pewter uh, mug here for when everybody's sort of swilling their drinks around. And we do teacups as well. Everything from dishes to kitchen. We have a whole kitchen over here, if you can see. And we put that in where it's appropriate. Um, when we do uh, the Narnia series, when you listen to that, which uh, I hope everybody will listen to, because it's a wonderful series. Um, Everyday sounds uh, don't really apply. Uh, For instance, in Narnia, you have a lot of battles. And it only seemed fitting at one point that they would get armor. And I think Dave Arnold remembers wearing this and having a sword pulled out for him. Oh! Uh Oh, well, there goes the armor. <laughs> but uh, taking swords and not really hitting each other but being able to take them out and making a sound that has it come out and then be able to whack on the armor to get the sound of but you can imagine if you had an army of 50 how many times you have to layer these effects to, to make, make it march. sound like a
2: whole battle. So Dave, I know you and Paul have both been in the middle of putting sound effects together as well as the other elements that go into a production. Any secrets from Don Treader?
4: Don Treader was an incredibly huge production. Uh, Nate uh, commented that um, it can take three weeks to do, it, to do a half hour, that's just for the Foley. That not, has nothing to do with the sound design, the rest of the sound effects and the music and all that stuff. I remember one of the most difficult portions of Don Treader were, that I had to create was uh, the the sequence where Eustace goes into the cave and becomes a dragon, mm. and then he tears this. Eventually, he tears the skin off um, so that he can be the boy again. Uh, I went out. I actually went to to King Supers, and I just got big rows of. Of ribs and started ripping the skin off of the ribs. And sometimes it sounded right and sometimes it just sounded disgusting, you know? And <laughs> and so you just have to, it's playing. It really is playing and, and having fun. And
2: the accounting department, as they're looking over there, <laughs> saying, Kids, Supers, Groceries, Ribs. Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm sure you got the phone call going. Okay, explain yeah. uh, why we're reimbursing you. No, Focus uh, is good about stuff like that, actually. <laughs> okay, here's a glimpse into the studio during the taping of screw tape letters which featured as I've already mentioned Andy Circus All has been occupied by noise. Noise, the grand dynamism,
0: the audible expression of all that is exultant, ruthless, and virile. Noise, which alone defends us from silly qualms, despairing scruples, and impossible desires. The melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. I, I th- I've gone home every night absolutely shattered from playing this. I knew it was going to be a big challenge when I when I started reading it because I just thought, how do you energize it and how do you kind of connect with it, which is, which is going to be. Listenable to, and and and, um, but I, but I th- but it it is a matter of pure acting. Actually, it's a matter of just getting into character.
5: There's two things when you're casting a radio drama. One is that the actor has to be a competent actor who has to be able to act what you're asking them to do, but then there's also what I always call the vocal signature. There's a certain something in the voice that makes him sound good or evil or old or young or hopeful or pessimistic, um, and so. Screwtape had to have this sense of evil.
0: Do you believe all my terms of affection have meant nothing?
2: Far from it. What, guys, again, excites you most about radio theater?
3: Well, I think it's a lot of it is the unlimited uh, nature of it uh, to stimulate the imagination, to bring families together, to hear stories in a very compelling way. And then to also, and we always encourage families to do this, use it as a launch point to discuss. Mm -hmm. Talk about the themes of the drama. Talk about the characters. Talk about the virtues and the righteousness and the good things that are done and and why certain things might be wrong in the story and what the characters did. I I think it's a great opportunity as well. Mm -hmm.
2: Entertainment with a message. Mm -hmm.
0: Radio Theatre starts airing on October 9th. You can find a list of stations on our website, or you can listen online. And before we go, we should also announce a brand new series of books. Oh, you mean this book series, Bob? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Imagination Station books. It's for readers ages 6 and up, and they get to go to Rome or, or set sail with Vikings. Vikings? Yeah, why? What's wrong with Vikings? Um. Nothing. Nothing at all. Anyway, uh, next time on the podcast, we'll be talking to author Marianne Herring. But you can get a sneak peek at these books by visiting a special area of our website right now. There you can read all about Vikings and ancient Rome. You can even build your own Viking longboat. And there's an audio preview called a clickbook.
1: Hey, Bob, do you remember the live show here at Focus on the Family? Oh, sure. It
0: was a blast.
1: It was. Hey, a- Bob, remember, you're not allowed to say the word... Blast. Why? Don't you remember? No, no, no. Bob! Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that live show here at Focus on the Family was a fun time. Meeting all the fans and and getting to see the actors do their thing. This is the perfect show for you. Plus, they offered me a lifetime supply of Jell-O pudding pops. So creamy and delicious.
1: Ah, that was a great time. You know, Bob, I'll never forget the live Foley guys when they're doing the whole quack, quack. Quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. You know, that was for the 20th anniversary of Adventures in Odyssey. And believe it or not, we're already talking about our 25th anniversary coming up in 2012. And that's where you guys come in. We want you to go to our website at witsend.org podcast and take a poll about what you'd like to see at our 25th anniversary. And as a way to say thank you for your time, you get to hear a sneak peek from this weekend's episode, The Mystery of the Clock Tower, part two.
0: Which is available on album 52. Cause and effect. Huh.
1: It's
0: (laughs) it's over here, Bob. (laughs) Good try, though. That's it for this edition of the official Adventures in Odyssey podcast, a presentation of Focus on the Family.
1: Be sure to check us out online at witsend.org slash podcast, where you can find out information about Radio Theater, Album 52, upcoming Adventures in Odyssey episodes, or even the Imagination Station books. Or call us at 1-800-A-FAMILY. I'm Bob. And I'm Jesse. And remember, with God in your life, every day's an adventure.
0: Okay, Jesse, listen, are you gonna show me what you were doing in there
1: now? Um... Yeah, alright, sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, maybe later, Bob. Uh, good idea. Yeah.